0: We on the ultra-light beam This is a God dream This is a God dream This is everything This is everything Deliver
1: us serenity Deliver us peace Deliver us love When we, know we
0: parents. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. We on an ultra light beam. We on an ultra light beam. This is a God dream. This is a God dream. This is god dream.
1: And welcome to this week's episode of the Hammer Time Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Hammerman. We're in Playmaker Mentality. We're on iTunes talking about sports, society, and stuff. I'm actually with the person or one of the people who started Playmaker Mentality tonight, which still apparently has people posting on it, although I don't know who's posting on it still, but it's still it's happening. It's still alive. It's still alive. It, is still alive. it has a pulse. Um, this is going to be a, a very unique podcast, but first, thing I'm going to introduce our guest and our guest, as I said, is Playmaker Mentality, Force Players all the way, Bleacher Report, doing all of the amazing things. Uh, he's one of the best people to follow on Twitter, in my opinion, uh, someone I've known for a really long time. It's Justice Mosqueda. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. It's it's a Friday in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm ready to watch Oregon lose later, but other than that, solid.
1: That That sounds really sad. Yeah, as Justice said, this is Friday. This is going to be a first... This is going to be the first time that I record and edit and put a podcast up in one day, because uh, this week is crazy. Because I'm worth it. Yeah, because justice is worth it, and the people <laughs> the people want a justice podcast, and this week has been batshit, and yeah, it's all the things. I will say, though, I'm very excited for this week's podcast. The next couple of weeks, we up to the election. Uh, we're going to do some really cool stuff, so this is going to be great. Tonight, we're going to start with football, we're going to start with sports, and I'm going to ask you the question I asked so many other people. Uh, How did you get into football in the first place?
0: Uh, just, like, the sport in general? Like, I think, I don't know, man. Like, my, my dad watched football, you know what I mean? And my dad played football, and he liked football, so I think it's probably, like, one of those things where it's, like, a kid trying to be, like, his dad or some shit like that. You know what I mean? And then, um... I don't know. My parents said that like they named me Justice Moscato because they sounded like it would be a good name for a football player. So I guess this this shit was like ripe out the womb. You know what I mean? That
1: would have been a great name for a football player.
0: It would have too bad uh, my knees exploded and I'm 5'8.
1: Yeah, Ethan Hammerman would have also been a really good name for a football player. Especially like oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, back in the day when I when I was a, a little bit more spry uh, in my and we're going to talk about getting old later in the podcast, but back in the day when I played a little bit more football, that, that name definitely held. I was a safety, and I was proud to be a safety uh, in, in any type of game, but I kind of actually want to quickly touch on where I met you, because we both frequented a certain forum What's back nature, in the man. day, Um
0: Shouts to Matthew Mokel, shouts to Scott Kersick, shouts to Ben Albright.
1: Yeah, Ben Albright was on that site, and I remember that, um, that was the beginning of Ben Albright being Ben Albright, and I remember that his first player who he took the task was Juice Williams, the Illinois quarterback. I don't know if you remember this at all.
0: I don't I don't remember this particular instance. What do you remember? I, I remember him being on, I remember him posting on, like, the draft form and stuff and just, like, caping up for certain quarterbacks, and usually he's right, and then just destroying some other guys. I remember most, most of the things that I remember for, for whatever reason was like Albright, the beginning of Albright, when the Ryan Mallett stuff started popping up. That's, that's like my, like, I'm aware, I'm aware that Albright was on there before that, but that's when I like, that's the first memory that comes to mind as far as like things that Albright did on there.
1: Yeah. That draft forum got freaking contentious. There are some people who liked picking fights on that draft forum. But it was fun. I always enjoyed myself there. Uh, I, Shots I, to Webby.
0: Webby's a damn commie.
1: Shots to Webby. I I actually know Webby's real name and I can't say it. Um, but yeah, he's still <laughs> doing the thing. I mean, they're still doing the thing of ball's future. I sometimes occasionally, like, lurk. And they're still doing the damn thing. Like, good for them. That site has been around for like 11 years. And people don't really use forums anymore. So that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, man. Twitter's lit.
1: Yeah, they have a whole draft Twitter thread. It is very... I do occasionally read it Bro, because I've it's been very in entertaining.
0: Talk. Talk, Derek Clausen, never go in there, man. <laughs> yeah, Just, they, the they, Just don't go in that. It's
1: they, not they good. They do not like former guests of the podcast, Derek Clason they, They're not fans. Um, yeah, but anyway, so we both honed our craft on that forum. And, yeah, I kind of want to get into this season. I know that you are someone who who has some very often strong and very often correct takes about football. Uh, you're working on BR1000 this year one of many people have had on the show who's part of that amazing opportunity with Doug Ferrar and the team over there at Bleacher Report. So, do you have any takes right now that you're really just foaming to get off?
0: Uh, just like ran- just like random hot takes?
1: Let's let's do it. This is this is hot take time.
0: Yeah, let me think. Um that dude, uh, crap, I'm forgetting his name because I, I grade a billion people at a time. Uh, but the dude in Dallas from Boise State, he was like a second round pick DeMarcus a couple years ago. No, 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 not the Marcus Lawrence, the other one. What the Crawford. hell is his name? Tyrone Crawford? Yeah, I think so. Is it Tyrone? Yeah, Tyrone Crawford. Um, he's really bad and he's getting paid like $60 million. Like, he's probably the Cowboys' like fifth best defensive end. Like, that dude needs to be gone soon. Like, very, very, very soon. All right, that's a good take. Um, that's, my only, that's my only take, and we're underrating Buffalo, and don't trust Cleveland.
1: Yeah, the thing with Buffalo is that they have. They always had a really good defense, and they always had a pretty good running game, and Tyrod's okay. I think that the reason why people underrated them is because of Rex. Because everyone thought that Rex was going to be able to, like, stabilize things over there, but people forget that Rex really wasn't that bad in New York. I think that, and this is a theory that I talked with Eric about, I think Rex is perfect to be a coach in a city where the players have no shit to do outside of football because he gets them (laughs) so hyped up and this is the only place where, like, they can take out all of that aggression. There's a reason why Miami teams are historically shitty because players do so much other shit.
0: Miami, D.C., yeah, no, Atlanta, yes, there's, there's reasons why things are the way that they are in those cities.
1: Yeah, this theory makes sense. And, you know, Bill Simmons on his podcast this week with Mike Lombardi mentioned that LeSean McCoy historically has awful totals in Miami. There might be a reason why LeSean McCoy historically has awful
0: totals in Miami. Dude, Rex Rex Ryan might be unfatable. Like, Rex Ryan came out here and was, like, at Trump rallies and shit. And, like, no one said a damn thing to him. Shouts to to Rex, man.
1: Uh, He's shooting his shot. I mean... Philip Rivers supported Rick Santorum, and no one really cared, so I don't think it really matters. (laughs) Do we think that the Chargers are good, by the way?
0: I think they're going to cover the seven-point line in Atlanta this week. Like, if you look at what Philip Rivers does historically against these type of defenses, and I know when you say these type of defenses, it's like, all right, so, like, San Diego's beating Jacksonville. You know what I mean? But they've played – they've played – they've played – uh the Seattle Seahawks twice in like the last four years and they've done very good and won against the spread against the Seahawks. Like that, that type of Seattle cover three type of defense, you're just basically asking for crossing routes from Philip Rivers and you're like, Hey, you have to stick to crossing routes, beat us in crossing routes every single down, and Philip Rivers just looks at that and is like just very, very happy. Like Philip Rivers, I bet if you if you say if you say crossing routes around Philip Rivers, he probably he's probably exposed with pheromones and wants to make like an eleventh child. You and- know what I mean? Crossing like, routes Fer- is totally fine. Felipe, Felipe Rivera is fine with that shit.
1: And crossing routes are one of the routes, and you talked about this with Mason Rudolph, who I think we could probably talk about a little bit later in the podcast because I know we both really like him. But crossing routes are sort of a QB's bread and butter. And if you can execute really well on those, it's something that the defense, if they're playing man, it gets them a lot of the time. And it's yep. easy to execute with young receivers because they don't really have to do that much. And, I mean, San Diego right now, like, That guy Tyrell Williams is
0: really good, and he's someone. Also, Western Oregon. Yeah, he's
1: someone who I wanted in my fantasy league, and I I couldn't
0: get him. I hit up, I hit up people at Western Oregon after I saw his pro day, right? Because I saw his pro day, and like guys like, uh, like Zach uh, Whitman and stuff were freaking about, freaking out about his like spark scores and stuff. So I like hit up people at Western. I was like, Hey, do you know anything about this kid? Like, what, what do you know about this kid? What do you know about this kid? And one of my, one of my guys hit me up and was like, Dude, he was just in my econ class on Tuesday. Like Tyrell Williams was still down in Monmouth, like during the draft process. That dude, that dude was not supposed to make it this far,
1: and yet he has. And he's someone who I think Emory Hunt uh, had him ranked. Because Emory Hunt has everybody ranked, and Bro, I remember.
0: If you see it, I, it, when I see like when I get told about FCS players and things like that, the first person I go to is Emory Hunt. Yeah. I'm like, yo, hold up. Am I, see, am I seeing this right? Yo, did I hear this right? And he's got an answer every single time. That man's not a human. That man's a robot.
1: Yeah, fr- friend of the podcast, another person we've had on before. Uh, follow him; he's great at F Ball Game Plan. Uh, but yeah, I I think it's great that he's been doing well. The other guy that Emory and I discovered last year, Will Ty, has not been doing as well, which makes me kind of sad. But hopefully, he can pick it up because that's my dude as punt returning linebacker at Stony Brook. Um, I want to talk about the Packers for a second. Because I did not watch. Do we the have game to? La- I didn't watch the game last night. I don't think you watched the game last night either.
0: Did you? I, I watched. I watched the second half basically. I missed the first half because I was coaching.
1: So is Ty Montgomery a running back now?
0: I mean, Green Bay really didn't have another option. They gave four carries to true running backs that entire game because uh, their their top running back got hurt. Um, Eddie Lacy was out. James Starks was out. Those were the only two running backs that they had on their roster before. They have one fullback in Aaron Ripkowski who can, like, get one yard of carry. And then they just traded for Niles Davis on – or Nile Davis on, like, Tuesday or something like that. So he got, like, two carries. The first running back got two carries. I, f- I forget his name. I don't even know his name. He's, like, an undrafted rookie. And then they put uh, Randall Cobb and Ty Montgomery in the backfield. But, <clears throat> I mean, when you think about it, like, Ty Montgomery, the thing about Ty Montgomery, right, is, like, he had a crazy junior year, stay for his senior year, and threw on a bunch of weight. Like, basically, he went, like, bodybuilder mode. You know what I mean? So he just threw on a bunch of weight, kind of lost some speed, didn't have as great of a senior year as he had a junior year. Um, but some people were comparing him. Like I remember Matt Waldman was like comparing him to Demarco Murray in terms of a runner, as like a running back type of prospect coming out of Stanford um, back then. So like I I really don't know what to think. I mean I'm cool with playing him. I'm cool with playing him in the backfield, but like the the, the thing is like Randall Cobb might not be, be here next year, so he might have to be that slot receiver.
1: Yeah, the thing about Randall Cobb is that he's regressed so badly. Is that another case? He's horrible.
0: Um, If Green Bay cuts Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb next year before their roster bonuses kick in, they'll save about $40 million over the next two seasons.
1: The thing with Green Bay in general, though, is that they seem really stubborn. And this is another thing that Bill Simmons brought up on his podcast with Lombardi today, which I recommend everyone listen to as well because – it's not often that you can get insight from a Super Bowl-winning personnel guy, and he's very open with his insights, but he criticized the Green Bay staff by saying they're just not open to diversifying their investments
0: at all, and right. it's just not Well, smart. I mean, that's that's 100% true. Like, when you, when you look at the thing, like, I called the Niles-Davis trade in August, like, late August, like, right before cuts. When it, when, it, when it basically became apparent that now Davis was going to be buried on that depth chart and that he might end up getting cut. um, I ended up calling that because it was like Green Bay just doesn't sign free agent. Like they brought in C.J. Spiller in for a visit and then they didn't sign him and then the Seahawks signed him and he scored a touchdown like in week one. You know what I mean? Like that that's kind of what happens. Like Green Bay had a chance to trade for Marshall Lynch and they didn't want him. They had a chance to trade for Randy Moss and they didn't want him. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is kind of like Ted Thompson's whole approach to this is kind of like a... You know, you can't go both taking a profit. We're just going to keep doing this. We'll get compensatory picks, and we'll be fine down the line. We'll end up getting these cheap contracts in, and hopefully we get some homegrown guys. And the homegrown guys are the guys that we're going to pay because we know how they fit in our scheme, so we're not going to take a big L on anything. And that's kind of worked, but, like, at some point, you you can't be playing to your averages and win a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that I think I think that's the issue here is you can't be playing to your averages and win a Super Bowl. Like at some point, yeah, you're gonna have to get hot. And sometimes like you're gonna get hot and then you're gonna get cold. Like you see this with like the Carolina Panthers where like guys like Kawan Short have massively regressed in the past year and their offensive line, right? And they really don't have defensive backs right now. Like they're just they just play football with seven players right now. Um but I mean, it's a Super Bowl. That's what you're playing for, right?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of theories about Carolina. Um
0: which I do want to talk their, about. Their D-line is horrible. Like it's their, it's not hard to figure this one their out. They snap can't rush the passer. They can't rush the, the passer and they can't cover anyone. But and it's those two working together.
1: I, I think part of it also is that their snap rotation is really screwed up right now. Like last year Scarlettula played 40% of snaps and this year he's playing
0: 68% of snaps. And that shouldn't be happening. Well, I mean, we we can see the writing on the wall on that one, right? Yeah. It's like, "Hey, Star, <laughs> You're not going to be here next year, boy. I, I <laughs> mean, and and I think around. that part of
1: on Short's issue is that he played at his best when he wasn't being double teamed, and Star was taking a lot of those double teams, and he is not doing that anymore because it's pretty easy to overpower. So, yeah, that yeah, team has regressed badly. The thing
0: always people people always like to bring up about the Carolina Panthers, right, is that their D-tackles end up flipping between one and 3 tech, and that they're both basically – you can't really call one an under-tackle or one a nose-tackle. They're just kind of just D tackles
1: It's just funny because this is the same exact thing that happened with Quan Short at Purdue that made him slip to the second round because in his senior year, uh, they did not manage his snaps well, and he got really tired. And so he slipped to the second round, and then he tore up the NFL. So I hope he finds his way. I like Quan Short. He's, he's one person who I'm always going to root for, always be a fan. Um, but about Green Bay, in terms of who they bring in, I was thinking about this. I think that character is, like, overvalued
0: in Green Bay a little bit. Bro, like, there's, pe- there's people mm, – let me think. I don't know what stories I can tell on this podcast. There... This, no mm, one will listen to this podcast. Good Christians. Good Christians is a good way to put it for the players that Ted Thompson looks after. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's been conversations about that. And there's been players who have converted while in Green Bay who have, like – I don't want to say the words. You don't want to use the word "snitched," but like told told someone's wife when they've been cheated on on the road and things like that. And it's like very like it's like small town community in like a football franchise, basically, is what it sounds like to me, the way I've had it explained to me.
1: That makes sense, especially when you read some of the stories that like Kevin Clark wrote about all the players playing Catan together.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 the the offensive lineman and things like that. Yeah, Yeah. shouts to – but shouts to, like, Josh Sitton, though, because he sounds problematic. Josh Sitton sounds problematic? Yeah, I mean, he's out there playing Katan, but, like, I don't know, man. There's some rumors out there. Yeah, Yeah, well, when you – I mean, I I love, like,
1: Bakhtiari, like, leading the way. Yeah,
0: shouts shouts to Bakhtiari and the fact that they call him a Kardashian.
1: (laughs) And shouts to Mike Daniels, too, who is A, extremely good, and B, like, a
0: huge anime fan. Dude, he's a dog. He's a, he's an ass. He's my favorite player. Like I, I I think it's like Favre, him, and Charles Woodson are my favorite Packers ever. Just from like a personality that, that
1: standpoint. That is some that's some really high praise. I really like Mike Daniels.
0: I've only heard good things. So and he's cra- he might he might be the strongest dude in the league, man. Like those hands hurt. Yeah. Shots to Iowa. Uh,
1: that's gonna be fun to watch uh, for sure. But that's another small town team. You know, that all that they can do is play katan they're not going to like clubs and it's not gonna happen uh, let's talk about aaron super quick what do you think about aaron's performance recently uh, he got the 300 yards that was the first time he'd gotten 300 yards since 2015 he teddy bridgewater had gotten 300 yards more recently than aaron Rodgers before then yeah um yeah what do you think about uh, what's been going on? I know there's been a lot of conversation about, like, the scheme and McCarthy not adjusting well enough, but do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Well, I, I think, mm, I, see, that, that's the thing is, like, you can switch your scheme up, but do you switch your scheme up entirely for a se- single season? And do you think that there are players who are going to develop down the line this season? Cause I don't, I don't know where they think Jordy, like, if this is what Jordy's gonna look like, like, you gotta, you gotta change something. But if you still think that Jordy might be able to, like, you know, rehab his way back to 100 percent, then I guess keep 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 throwing the damn ball. I mean, Randall Cobb was open for, like, two other touchdowns that he ended up, like, out of bounds or dropped. You know what I mean? So, like, Rogers could have had more than what he even had uh, this past week. The thing is, like, people like to bring up and they're like, oh, man, he's not trusting his mechanics anymore. Like, Rogers has never trusted his damn mechanics. His feet have never been set. Like, he gets his shoulders aligned, and that's it. Like, he's out here running mobile. You know what I mean? Um, but there are like he's hesitating on some of these passes, and it's like very blank gabbardish. You know what I mean? Where you see the double clutch, and you see the gears turning, and he's not trusting what he's seeing, and things like that. Um, but when you're throwing to Richard Rodgers, and like Jordy Nelson can't outrun anyone, and Randall Cobb is like the highest-paid slot receiver of all time, and he hasn't he hasn't had half the production of what he had in like 2014 or whatever. And like Devonte Adams is now bailing him out. Like Devonte Adams, like Devonte Adams balled out last uh, last week.
1: Devonte Adams, uh, I think he he caught maybe... a
0: touchdown straight up off the back of a Chicago Bears cornerback.
1: Granted, like, the Chicago Bears cornerbacks like, bailed
0: out Aaron Rodgers.
1: Granted, the Chicago Bears cornerbacks are are not good. But
0: and let's talk about if Devonte Adams doesn't make this crazy ass catch against the Jacksonville Jaguars at the end of the first half, the Packers are probably they're what like three and three. Something yeah. like that. They're 3-3 three three right now, and they lost to the Jaguars. Like, the hot takes would have been amazing. Oh, uh, we we
1: we could can could only be so blessed. We can only be so blessed. Uh, Devontae Adams has gotten better this year, though. I think it's a correlation of him going to New York for the first time. I don't know if you saw this video of Devontae Adams going to New York for the first time. But he, no. What was he this? went to New York, and he just, like, gets on the subway, and he's just, like, staring at the women, and he's like, Man, this is so different from Green Bay.
0: And it was, it was like <laughs> one of those moments where he goes no, to watch it's funny because bro, bro, this is this is wild. It, it was, I forget Devontae I forget Devonte Adams is like my age still. Like yeah. Devontae Adams is twenty three year old. That's nuts. He's been in the league for three years. That dude's gonna be on a second contract when he's twenty five. I could totally
1: see Devontae Adams ending up not getting re signed by the Packers and going to the Raiders as a watch or three for carr.
0: Fuck you. That would be that would that would be fun to watch. Oh, uh, especially was Reggie McKenzie? No, Reggie McKenzie was out of Green Bay by the time Devontae Adams was drafted. Yeah, but still, I mean that those franchises are the same. It's not a coincidence that Green Bay goes in and works out CJ Spiller, then he signs with the Seahawks, and they trade for a running back uh, from Kansas City when all those GMs basically are the same GM. You know what I mean?
1: And then meanwhile, New England, all the teams that follow New England are shitty. So it's it's funny how that works out. Um, yeah, let's talk about some other teams and some other players that have really jumped out to you. Is there any team that you've watched this year that you're surprised how much you liked watching them?
0: Hmm. I guess Buffalo wouldn't count, right?
1: And Buffalo is fun to watch, but we already talked about them.
0: Yeah. Uh,. I like Atlanta, but I think everyone's kind of been surprised by Atlanta. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Tennessee Tennessee the past two weeks has kind of been interesting because basically they're just spreading guys out and running like the Urban Meyer. You know, are you playing too high, single high, or no high? Okay, this is how we're going to attack your your team. And then they're like doing stuff where they're like splitting out their offensive tackles and things like that. They're running pistol stuff uh, out of pistol spread, pistol trips, everything. Um, They're running empty. Like Tennessee is full-blown like Basically, what they're, they're able to run the ball against eight-man boxes with Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, who I believe right now are both in the top 15 in the NFL in terms of yards per carry. And DeMarco Murray is the second leading rusher in the NFL right now behind Ezekiel Elliott. Um, they're able to rip off these damn runs. And then once they get into the red zone, basically, they just like end up checking guys. Like, it's like – basically, it's like – are you sending eight? We can deal with eight. Oh, you're sending nine? Okay, well, if you're going to send your guys on, like, dog blitzes and things like that, we're just going to end up spreading your ass out. So you throw those guys out, and they have th- these, like, hybrid, like, some of these guys, right? Like, um, who the hell is the tight end out there? I'm spacing on his name. Delaney Walker, right? So, like, Delaney Walker comes in the game. You don't know if that's a pass set or if it's a run set at all. And the way that Tennessee's using their guys, like, they're lining up Derrick Henry as a fullback sometimes, right? And they're also lining them, like, out wide. So, like, they'll come out in, like, 21 personnel, and you don't know if they're going to go empty or if they're just going to run it dam- down your damn throat. So you got to kind of be prepared for everything. Um, and then once you just kind of get set and you give them a bad look, they'll just run no huddle and spread your ass out and just gash you over and over and over again. Like, they had, they had um, what was it, the, the Miami game two weeks ago, right? They had, like, a three-run set where basically – they ran guys into spread into into uh, empty right, and they they were able to get a run option, the option to the left in terms of numbers in passing and screens, and the numbers on the right uh, in terms of screens in like three back to back plays, and they just basically blew the defense's load like inst- like that in a drive. They were like, there is no way that you can cover this defense that you haven't shown us already, and we've beaten you in every single way. And their schedule is not hard coming up
1: at all like they play the Colts and the Colts are awful they're absolutely terrible and they get the Jaguars at home at San Diego that Green Bay at Tennessee game could be a fun one that could be a fun one imagine oh, once Mariota that. gets good though Mariota's oh, Mariota's
0: this year <clears throat> that game's actually going to be super interesting because of how good Green Bay's run defense is like I'm like I, I, Tennessee's run offense is really good man I, I don't think enough people are talking about this like, they're able to run against eight-man boxes like it's nothing.
1: They've been doing a really good job on the interior of their offensive line. And it's been really, really fun to watch. I just hope Mariota improves, though, because he hasn't been amazing this year. And I kind of wanted to take that next step. He's, I'm really He still can't really
0: throw the deep ball. He but, still really can't throw the deep ball. It's all, like, a bunch of check-down stuff. And, like, that's fine. The thing is, like, he's super – basically, Tennessee, they're running, they're running a different offense – in the red zone than between the twenties, which you might already assume, um but it's like totally different, right? Because if you're able to get five yards of carry every single time with DeMarco Murray, right? T- once you get into the red zone, teams start tightening up because they're like, oh man, that's 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 you're four plays away from a touchdown, basically, based on his averages. You know what I mean? Totally. So basically, what they have to do is they end up sending extra guys, so they end up in man coverage. I think Marcus Mariota's like twenty-one touchdowns, zero interceptions in the red zone in his career in the NFL. Like he's very good in terms of being able to play in man coverage in the red zone, and they run like a bunch of things like crossing patterns and things like that, like we talked about, where you could you could beat in man or in zone. Those guys go go across multiple windows in zone. Um, Mario will be able to get guys on that. It's like your traditional your traditional like deep passing concepts that he's not very good at, and because they run such a such a spread it out or run it dam- down your damn throat type of approach offensively between the 20s. Um, it just makes it really, really easy for him to get inside the 20 yard line, basically. Like, he's not having to make those vertical type of throws. Um, I, I actually wrote about this for uh, Bleacher Report this past week.
1: Yeah, I think part of it also is that he doesn't have a great deep receiver, which hopefully it's. Yeah, I mean, with
0: has... Tajay Ta-J- Sharp as your wide receiver one, you know, shit changes.
1: I'm hoping that they end up. Getting one of the really good receivers in this draft to pair with Mario yeah. because
0: I want Mike Williams needs to be in San Francisco or Tennessee. Like we need to have, we need to have like a draft god who decides these things.
1: I've seen some Mike Williams hate recently, which I find a little bit
0: confusing. Oh man, that dude plays like Jordy in his prime. They no, he's good. Him. He's yeah. good. Deshaun's a guy who's not doing as well. Trust me. Yeah, and we don't, we don't, have, we don't have to make excuses for Deshaun. I promise.
1: No, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm down to talk about the NFL draft. Let's, let's move on to that because, I mean, you are a draft guy with all your force players, all your edge players. Uh, let's start with quarterbacks though because I have a hot take. I think Mason Rudolph would be QB1 right now.
0: Uh, he sure is the hottest quarterback, I would say, in terms of like momentum, right? Like I don't really think there's a, unless you want to say like Mitch Trubisky, but I I still have bad. Seen Mitch Trubisky, so I watched him. And I can't. He's bad. I can't. Derek Derek said today that he uh, Derek Clawson. trusted Derek Clawson. trusted the group chat. Um, he said that he plays like Paxton Lynch, but I like I said, I still haven't seen him. Paxton so Lynch I wasn't that good either.
1: Paxton Lynch got elevated because the quarterback class last year was so bad.
0: Uh, yeah. Well. Although now so they think there was better a than Dak we thought Prescott or a Cody Kessler, right? you think there wasn't a
1: Dak Prescott or a Cody Kessler to pick up, or even Lentz or Brissett.
0: Wow! So I'm looking at Walter Football's quarterback ratings right now, and they have Brad Kaya ahead of Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, the thing with Brad Kaya, at least from what I see, and Chad Kelly's quarterback four.
0: What the hell is going on here?
1: So at least from what I see with Brad Kaya, he doesn't process information he doesn't, doesn't quick have, enough.
0: He's he's not he's not refined enough to even be considered a West Coast guy like Cody Kessler, at least to the extent that Cody Kessler was, and he doesn't have the pure tools to think that he's gonna have a high upside. So what the hell are we doing here? What do you what do you think of Kaiser? I think he plays a lot like Jameis, but I think we're gonna have a really a very real conversation about who is better Jameis Winston or Marcus Mario in the next coming weeks. Because Jameis Winston, the thing about him is you get him down, he's going to get his ass blown out because he'll throw a damn interception. Like, it's nothing.
1: Yeah, and he also has just – he hasn't looked amazing this year either against some bad <laughs> defenses.
0: Well, even even last year, like, when they won last year, they won close, and when they lost, they lost big. And that's not really – like, really, in terms of the NFL, because of how – like or just football in general, right? Like, we really should be thinking about – Teams and wins and things like that. We should be thinking about wins and losses. We should be thinking about wins and losses by multiple scores and then close games, because those three things are completely different from each other, and they're very and it, it tells a better story than wins and losses purely do. I so like, that, Tampa Bay last year lo- would look like an un, an unsustainable team. You know what I mean?
1: I think that's totally fair. I also think that. Um, wait, I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, I want to talk about Kaiser. Um, I'm, I disagree a little bit about the wins and losses thing, because I do think that if you're a college quarterback and you are an NFL prospect, even if your team isn't amazing, I think that you should be good enough to lead them to somewhere close to a winning record if you're a college quarterback. And yeah, I mean, when you're about first-round
0: guys who have lost games, right? So it's like, Cutler. it's Jared Goff, it's Jake Locker, and it's Jake Cutler, right? Like, there's no other names there. And what name on that list do you want?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing with Kaiser. Like, I like a lot about him, but he hasn't looked as good as people think. He has so many tools, but I think he's a little bit
0: rawer than a lot of people want to give him credit for. I Kaiser, Kaiser's raw as hell, but I think Jameis was, too, coming out. Like that that's the I don't know. Oh man. I ha- I had Marcus as my quarterback
1: one. Yeah, so did I. I Jameis won though at least. And Jameis made some really good anticipatory throws. Like the thing about Kaiser also is Kaiser had better wide receivers than Jameis did. I think Kaiser has some really, really good players on his team. And
0: I I'm not really sure. I don't know. I, I, like I think St. Like, Brown fouled those guys.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, this quarterback class, I was very optimistic coming into this year, and I have to say I'm a little bit less optimistic now, uh, just because some of the performances have
0: not been up to, right. to my So standard. So, Kai- kaiser has been arrowed down since probably, like, week three, right? Kaya's been arrowed down the whole year. Watson's been arrowed down the whole year. Chad Kelly came into this year as, like, top SEC quarterback, top senior quarterback. Like, that ever meant anything, right? So, we got, like, Trubisky... Uh, like, if you're into, like, Davis Webb or Pat Mahomes, I guess, that's cool for you, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all make your decisions yourselves. I don't want to be involved in this. And then, like, Mason Rudolph, who has an arrow up. And then, like, Mitch Leidner, who, like, completely fell off the face of the earth. Baker Mayfield, who completely fell off the face of the earth. You know, it, it's just, it's not a bunch of good dudes. You know what I mean? Like, JT Barrett's probably a top five quarterback in this class.
1: He might be. And one guy who I like, actually.
0: Who is a little bit polarizing? Gunner Keel, is, is dead.
1: That and means Gunnar Keel is dead. I I don't hate Josh Dobbs, and I don't think he's been that bad this year. I don't know. He's someone who I well, want to. The, thing, the, the on. thing
0: about Tennessee is they always hold back the deep game, right? So you really don't even like necessarily know what the even what even you have in Dobbs. That, might, that's always been my issue. It's it's not even. It's not even an issue with Dobbs. It's like, dude, Tennessee, I like don't even know what your quarterback is right now because you don't unleash him. The thing about Dobbs
1: is that I've seen him perform really well in high-leverage situations, and that's something that I want to see from my quarterback no matter what that I think is sort of translatable wherever you need to see them. Uh, my comp for him is Andy Dalton. I think he's someone who, if you take him day two, I think that he'll end up being a really nice pick for your team. And I think we've seen guys like Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott who – get into the right system, and who are able to perform really well, I think Dobbs can be in that same vein, for sure.
0: I guess I would say, I don't know what his interception rate looks like right now. Um, But the thing I would say is, like, it definitely looks like in the NFL right now, if you have a quarterback who just doesn't turn the ball over, you got a shot, man. you got a shot.
1: Or you just make a system where he won't turn the ball over because he doesn't have to make really hard throws. That's...
0: Shouts to like Adam GaSe who did that in uh, Chicago last year, and, and then and then he left, and now Jay is dead.
1: And shouts to Doug Peterson. I mean, the Eagles staff has done an amazing job with Wentz. Yeah. They they've done a really great job. Um, are there any other players, on offense or defense, that have jumped out to you this year? They have a strong take about.
0: Dude, uh, there's this dude named Taylor Taylor Moten, <clears throat> out of Western Michigan. Uh, he's the best offensive tackle in college football. And he's the right tackle. He's It's it's very weird. Uh, I watched Corey Davis's, uh cut because I'm a Packers fan, and I, I'm supposed to be watching receiver prospects right now because our season's over. Like, we're not going to win a Super Bowl, and we need a receiver. So that that's where I'm at in mid-October, right? So I watched it on uh, Draft Breakdown. Uh, Corey Davis' cut against Central Michigan, I want to say and i started watching him and like two plays in i'm like what the fuck who is this right tackle and why does he move like tyron smith and uh i started watching him and he's basically flawless and then i uh damn i don't think i could say this let me let me work around this um there's a site that grades college players and it's it's not public but they grade they grade college like it's public that they grade college players but they're uh their stuff is subscription-based, so you can't say who they are. But I went on their site and I checked, hey, uh, I wonder what they have this guy graded as because this guy's really good. And I clicked their thing and I clicked offensive tackle and he's the number one offensive tackle uh, according to their grades in college football right now. Um, and if you watch the, watch the film of him against Central Michigan, he's very, very good. Um, I watched some of his stuff last year when he was in at guard. He's not nearly as good, so I wonder how he, how he handles power now or if he's just progressed that much in a year. Uh, I really want to get the Illinois tape against him. Because there's Dwayne Smoot, who's probably going to be a force player in a first-round pick. And uh, he was a guy that I talked about two years ago. to Dwayne Smoot. Um, I, talked, I, I, like, pinned him down two years ago as a guy to watch. And no one really talked about him until this past year. And he's like he's like Shaq Lawson. Uh, he's, he's like Shaq Lawson, but better.
1: Shaq Lawson making his debut soon, too, which will be fun. He's active this week, I think. The Buffalo
0: Bills with, like, who's the best pass rusher on the Buffalo Bills? Jerry Hughes. Hughes. And then after that, Uh, Lorenzo Lorenzo Alexander? Alexander? Yeah, it's Lorenzo Alexander. All right, so a team whose second best pass rusher right now is Lorenzo Alexander is second in the league in sacks right now.
1: They've been phenomenal. I mean, there's no doubt. They've been great. Um, All good names. We'll have to keep an eye on that uh, Western Michigan guy. I had a flashback to Central Michigan because I was thinking offensive tackle number one overall. I
0: saw him and I was like, this dude is going to be like Eric Fisher. I was like, this dude is going to be a first round pick out of the MAC, but he's like playing right tackle. I don't know what to do with this. Uh, I also like Twitter searched him to see if I was going to be first, right? Because that's what's most important on draft Twitter is to make sure that you're first on everything. And I searched his name. And, uh, I guess Tony Pauline says he's getting like day two grades from NFL scouts based on what happened in like week three or something like his like week three update for college football. Area scouts told him that he was going to be a top hundred pick. And, uh, if you watch it, man, like I, I hit up Sully to watch it. And I think the conversation like went, hold on, I'll, I'll pull up the conversation right now. I, I hit up him and Chuck and I told Chuck to watch and Chuck started watching and he was like, dude, what the hell? Like you, you weren't joking at all. Like this dude's actually like really good. Uh, and he's my hermano, so he'll he'll do things like that. But Sully hit me up. Uh, I hit Sully up. I said, dude, will you watch this college kid for me? He said, who? I said, Western Michigan's right tackle. Please don't laugh. And he just said, LOL, and stopped responding to my text immediately after that. So, trust Sully.
1: Yeah, I trust Sully for sure. Um, I actually did force player, or not force player, sorry. I'm getting texts while I'm on this chat, and that is a problem. Um, I actually did first somebody, and he's a quarterback from UNLV, and his name is Torrey McTire. And yeah. he's one of the top five players in the nation right now in passive defense interceptions. He's six foot. He's like 190 pounds. Uh, I saw his Higgins tape against the Higgins guy from Colorado State last year, and with pretty much no help, and he had a, gave up two touchdowns, but – they were really good catches by Higgins, and he was in perfect position both times. So I'm kind of inclined to give the benefit of the doubt. But he's going to end up running a 4-4, I think, at the Combine. And if he went and going to the Combine. And I think he has an opportunity to really be a riser. He reminds me a little bit of someone who I pegged a couple of years ago, Dexter McDougall out of Maryland. I think he's going to end up being a really good player.
0: What's um, this dude's name? Tori McTire. Torrey McTire. Oh, okay, I see him on the thing now. Yeah. All right. So I was trying to look him up to see. All right.
1: All right. He's yeah. got red hair. That's pretty cool. A little bit quiet. Um, and then some other guys who I've who sort of jumped out to me. Uh, we talked a little bit about some running backs. Um, Curtis Samuel from Ohio State is going to be a much better pro than he is a college player. He's going to end up being like pass receiving super back. And I'm very excited to see that come to fruition. Uh, Juju Smith needs a good quarterback now. He reminds me of Allen Robinson. I think he's going to end up being really good. That's not really a hot take. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like the Duke cornerback, too, Breon Borders. He's somebody who I think could end up stepping up a little bit.
0: I'm trying to think of some underrated... Like defensive lineman or something like that. I know. I know. Um, I just Yo, UConn watched. has
1: a whole bunch of players, but they're not coming out this year. We have like ten players. UConn. Yeah, the you watching? D- you watching D two football? I hey, we we beat some G- We beat Gutterkey. i little I'm just bro, I'm
0: just joking. Like UConn could probably knock the shit out of Oregon right now. So I should probably stop talking. Um, uh,
1: no, we would lose to Oregon, but it'd be like twenty to seventeen.
0: Fucking disgusting. Um, I can tell you certain guys aren't good. Does that work? Uh Takaris McKinley and those guys out of like UCLA. Um, those guys are kinda interesting, but I wouldn't call those guys. So Dion Holland
1: is a no?
0: And Vanderdoze is a no? Vanderdoos? Uh Vanderdose, solid. Holland Holland I don't like Hollands. Holland's is underrated. Mm. Or, or undersized, not underrated. I'm an idiot. I can't speak English. English is my second language, I'm sorry. <laughs> um yeah, man, I, I can't really think of any underrated names. Uh, Roderick right Johnson now. Oh, sucks. The Rocket Johnson,
1: Roderick Johnson, the Florida State offensive of tackle. Oh, the
0: offensive tackle? He's uh, no, he's no good. No, he can't play, boy. Yeah. No, no, no. He's like a practice squad player. Like that's you can't trust that dude. Like you, he can't be your swing tackle. Like he has to be two guys removed. He has to be a car crash away.
1: Yeah, he's not not a good player. Um, other guys who I've I need to watch tape a little bit closer. Uh, I'm sort of still in the nascent phase of doing that. I do actually have one more sleeper for you, though. I was talking to Joe Everett of Rookie Draft about him, defensive tackle from Tulane named Tanzil Smart. Um, I was doing some research on him earlier this year because I was writing previews for the UConn blog, and I remember watching Tulane-UConn's 7-3 game last year, which is one of the worst football games I've ever watched in my entire life. And the only good thing about the game was I saw this defensive tackle from Tulane destroy the entire UConn offensive line. And this guy, Tanzel Smart, is someone else who I think is going to end up doing some big things. I'm a big fan. I think he ends up going day two this year. So
0: Yeah, NFL, I'm in. looking up on the NFL Draft Scout right now. He looks like their 11th uh, senior defensive tackle. He's the biggest riser other than uh, Chris Wormley on the list. Um. Looks like he has legit size, like legit six foot, legit 300 pounds. Huh. He's a guy I need to watch. I need to watch Tulane anyway because everyone says that they're actually really fun to watch. Like it's basically like Auburn, right? Like that's the the yeah.
1: runner? George Southern, Auburn.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was told. Like I, I, but like people think it's triple option. It's not actually triple option, but it's like an Auburn style type of like single wing type stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm in for that. I'll watch that on a Friday.
1: Yeah, we got to end up having um, – and this will happen closer to the draft. Um, like, once we're all a little bit more up to speed – maybe we'll do this if we all end up back in Mobile next year, which I'm hoping to do, but we'll see what ends up happening. Like, a group just, like, conversation about the shit that we're seeing. Um, just because I think that once we are a little bit more up to speed, that would be something really healthy. Um, yeah, before we pivot to your experience as a coach, any other final draft takes –
0: uh, Bright Kai is not good, and you should feel bad if you thought he was at any point, ever.
1: That sounds good. So, we're going to go to the society portion. This will be abridged a little bit, but I want to talk about this because I said earlier in the episode I want to talk about how I'm getting old. Um, I had a realization a couple days ago that I started high school ten years ago, which is a little bit mm. scary to think about, and I know you're not too much further away from that.
0: Dude, I think I'm like a year away from that, yeah.
1: That's, yeah, whew. it's a little scary, but you know, you you're a high school football coach now, and your team's doing pretty well, right?
0: Uh, uh <laughs> so I coach JV and varsity, and we haven't won a single game this year. But well, we won the playoffs last year, and my freshmen that I coached last the games year were year. undefeated. So I thought you won. one Yeah, we, we haven't games won a game. Year. We're really bad, man. Well, we're really I bad. Wrong, we're starting man. a bunch of sophomores, but
1: that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're hanging out with these kids now. So I guess, first of all, from a you perspective, what has coaching taught you about working
0: with these kids? You need to explain everything like multiple times, like in very weird ways. And like the education system's like weird. Like I'm telling kids, like, we'll call like a play and it's very simple. Like we run hurry up, no huddle, spread stuff, right? So everything's basically like a two by two set or a three by one set. Um, and we'll be like ape right and the kid doesn't know what right is. And like, whoo, Boy, that's different. You know what I mean? Like, that that's some stuff that I had to learn. I mean, not necessarily this year, but like last year, right? Like, I didn't know how to really deal with that because that had never occurred to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, some of these kids really need to be like molded from the ground up and especially at a school like mine, right? So like, I'm from Hood River Valley, right? So I, I'm from Hood River, Oregon. Uh, Hood River Valley High School is one of two schools that when I graduated in 2012 was a minority-majority school in the entire state of Oregon. Like what people talk about – you can read stuff on like uh, like the second Renaissance of like the Ku Klux Klan and, like, the, in the state of Oregon and how it was illegal to own property above Medford, which is in like very southern Oregon uh, if you were an African-American until like – I mean it's still on – in the state constitution uh like oregon is very is very white so like our school is like very odd because we're in a very agricultural community uh that has a lot of immigrant families and things like that like my grandparents were immigrants they worked in the orchards all that stuff my last name is mosqueda uh, my dad's name is ruben ruben jesus and my grandma's name is maria guadalupe so it's like you know I, you know what time it is here right um and like so like there's a lot of immigrant kids. Uh, At our school that end up being like these kids don't even know English until they're like move here in like sixth grade and things like that. You know what I mean? So like you have to – I think I'm one of two Brown coaches on the staff. So it's like we're kind of like the transitional guys to like help these kids out. But I mean you, if you grow up in a community like this, like those – are like trying to help a kid learn how to speak English is like something that like is almost like secondhand because it just like happens so often.
1: So, are there kids on your team who aren't fluent in English who you sort
0: of have to... Like, second language for sure. Like, English for sure is their second language.
1: Wow. I mean, that must be, like, good for those kids. Like, that must be hard. Like... Bro, crazy hard. <laughs> crazy
0: hard. Like, I, I don't think people, like, um I think, what was it, the LA Times just put out this thing, like, I don't know, man. Like, shit's different. And it, like, gets weird, like, when people talk about, like, races and things like that because people end up thinking it's, like, oh, so you think, like, your race is, like, better than mine and, like, things like that. It's, like, oh, no, bro, it's not necessarily like that. Like, I don't think people understand, like, what immigrant, like, not even, like, brown immigrants, right? Like, just immigrants. Just what what it is, like, to be an immigrant coming into this country. Like, that's crazy, bro. Like, I've done a lot of things in my life. Like, I've worked – Bro, there were parts in this, this summer where I was working four jobs at a time and it was straight up like, I'm getting like three hours of sleep and just like going back to work and like, so like this past week, right? This past Saturday was the first day i had off since uh, 4th of July weekend, right? Like I've done like a lot of work in my life and things like that, bro, I can't imagine what it would be like. That, that is absolutely nothing compared to, like, what my grandparents had to do. You know what I mean? And that's, like, what pushed me through when it's like, oh, can you do this job? And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Man, that's fine. My grandparents came to a country where they had no stability and didn't know the language and they weren't wanted and, like, all this and this and this and that. And they, like, made it. Like, that, that shit's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, and they weren't coaching football as one of their jobs. They were probably doing things they didn't want to do quite as much, so –
0: I mean, my grandpa, my grandpa broke his back like in the orchards and shit like that, and then like had to go into upholstery and things. So, yeah, man, like that, that, bro, immigrants work, man. That that stuff's that stuff's different. That's why that's why I like I really like helping these kids because I don't think I don't think like man I I don't know like that that might have to be like a situation where you have to grow up around it to like understand like what it's like. Like, there's people in Hood River who live in houses where. Ah, oh, man. Like, it looks like grapes of wrath. You know what I mean? And, like, people are just, like, living in it. And they're, like, doing it and, like, pushing through and working, like, 20 hours a day so that they can give their kids a better life.
1: And you gotta respect that. Like, I, I yeah, absolutely. A lot of and, people- like, when it ends
0: up being, like, oh, these kids, these kids come to these schools and they don't know English. It's like, bro, their parents aren't around because they're working 24 7, trying to break their bones so that they can send these kids to school and have, like, a house over their heads. And can send some money back to Mexico where the like family members are dying. Yeah,
1: there are a lot of people I don't think have that experience, and then they can't respect that experience. And I think uh, we've seen that come to bear in current events recently. But I don't want to talk too much. I don't want to talk too much about politics tonight. We talk about politics like pretty much the past four weeks, unless you want to talk about <laughs> politics, which is fine,
0: bro. I really don't have any I'm just yeah. I'm just one bad hombre, man. Yeah. I really I really don't have nothing to say. I mean, yeah. I, what can, what the hell can I say other than I'm a brown brown dude. Who do you think think I'm going to vote for? Yeah, our goal... That's pretty much how that thing works. Next week,
1: if you want to listen to Paul from this podcast, next week, if I get the person who I want to get as my guest, um, that'll be an interesting podcast, so people can listen to that. But I want to talk about these high schoolers, because, like... So, as I said, I started in high school about 10 years ago, and you were right around that range as well. How... Are these kids' high school experiences different from our high school experiences? Like, do you
0: see shit that, like, would not have flown when we were in high school? I I don't know if I would say not have flown, but, like, these kids are, like, very in tune. You know what I mean? Like, these, kid, these kids came into... These, I, I'm coaching kids who were born after 9-11. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that that's kind of crazy. Um, like, these kids came into high school when, like, Snapchat was already a thing like when I left high school we didn't even have like Instagram really like I I I came into high school in 2008 and everyone was wearing like shutter shade Kanye glasses I had a flip that, phone. that's what was happening when I got into high school I had a flip phone so like like that's yeah really that's what, that's what I'm saying I didn't get a smartphone until I was a senior in high school like it, it's it's very d- and I started the Twitter account and profit eyes uh, Spanish class and she's the person who called me Justo for the first time Shouts to her um so like, I don't know, man, like social media has, has these kids doing like, not necessarily doing certain things, but feeling certain ways when like, if you hit up a friend and they're like, I don't know, I, I had it explained to be like this, right? So it's like, you hit up a friend. And then they're like, no, but then you see them like taking like Snapchats and things like that. And like, there, there's more like connectivity to like the outside world than like we had when we were kids, right? Like you could hit up people on like MySpace, but like those, those dudes aren't taking 20 MySpace posts. Like people are taking 20 Snapchats a day. You know what I mean? Um, so like these kids are like very aware of how other people value them and they're very cautious in terms of, uh, just assuming that people have their best intentions um in mind like these kids very much want to know why for every single damn thing and sometimes it sucks and sometimes you're just like shut up and just run the damn play um but these kids it it sounds like weird to say right and it's like oh these kids have changed and it makes me sound like the oldest person on earth uh but these kids very much so like social media has like changed these kids to the point that they have like massive like trust issues with like their friends, uh, authority figures, everything. Like, these kids want to know why or they're not going to do anything. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and, like, there, there's been guys who have, like, talked about this too, right? So, like, Nick Saban's gone on and talked about this and been like, like, if one of my players gets in a fight at, at a party because this dude says the N-word, I can go up and tell him don't say that because that's what how I feel. But that's not going to help our connection at all. And if we're not helping our connection at all, then I'm not helping that kid at all. So I need to put myself in his shoes and explain why and being like, look, you want to play in the NFL, right? So the difference between an NFL first round pick and third round pick uh, can end up being like $30 million, right? So you want to play in the NFL, you want to be a first round pick, you have the chance to be that. Getting arrested is enough of a uh, crime to drop you from the first to the third round. When that cop puts those cuffs around you, you're giving him $30 million. Do you want to give him $30 million? And that's the conversation that needs to ha- happen with these kids, instead of like just say no type stuff. You know what I mean? Like it has to be like explained why it why it benefits them uh, in every way. Todd Herman's talked about this too. I think he did a piece on uh, the Money Money Morning uh, quarterback. Yeah, where he was talking about Generation Y and like all things like that. And it's like, yeah, man, these kids are just like on their phones all day, and like these like people don't really value them, and like you like it's just like you you. With like social media and things like that, right? Like people are just learning how, like how shallow people are, right? And like in a school environment where you're around like all these kids, and it's like I don't know, man. It's just kind of weird. Like kids, kids just don't trust anyone, like anyone.
1: Yeah, I, I mean the social media thing is like, and social media around when we were in high school. Like I think I got my first Facebook. I wasn't never a MySpace person, but I got on Facebook. I think like sophomore year but and then ever since then it's just been whatever but I think the trust issue thing is really fascinating and it is crazy how commodified certain kids can get at this point like I have a friend who works for Teen Vogue and I remember talking to him about how on some long weekend I want to say it was like July 4th or something he had to come in to uh, oh, no, it was Labor Day weekend, I think. He had to come into work to do a meet-and-greet with some kids who wanted to be featured in the magazine, and there were, like, these four 16-year-old kids who were, like, I guess, like, a Snapchat group, and they would, like, sing Snapchats, and they had, like, 15 million followers between the four of them, and it, it's just a totally different life.
0: Like, it's crazy Bro, to me. It's just crazy. Like, you... Like... Man, I really don't even have know how to explain this. Like, there's certain things happening, like, uh, so like that Ch- that Chance album, right? Mm-hmm. That dude who's like big fella and like all that shit, right? Like that dude's from like vines, basically. Like that dude's from like vines and Instagram. Um, you watch like Atlanta, and there's like guys who are integrated in- into that show who were who were basically like comedians that were based off of social media. You know what I mean? Like, this, yeah. this is a whole different world, man. Like, this whole this whole shit got shaken up. I really don't know what to do with this. I think it's kind of cool, actually, because it is, it really does show
1: that, and granted, there's definitely certain propensities of the kind of people who are being featured in some of these videos, and the kind of people who do get social media famous, because um, I mean, I have friends who work in LA, and I've been involved, like, in full transparency, I have a pretty good foothold in this business of working with, um, people who are influencers, like, I know a lot of people in it, so i met a few of them, and, and, like, part of when I went to E3 this year, like, part of what I was doing there was, um, I hung out with a lot of influencers when I was there, and, yeah, it's just a very, very different thing, like, I remember there was this kid who's, like, a 17-year-old kid with, like, this really, I don't even remember his name, but he's a YouTuber, and he's also, like, a Vine celebrity, and we were in LA, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and this kid came in, and he recognized him, so he walked over to go up to him, and all of a sudden, like, this group of 10 high school girls starts screaming and chasing after this kid, like, out of the mall where we were, and... Yeah, it's just a totally different paradigm. Like, this is not stuff that happened when we were growing up, and even and when our parents were growing up, for sure. And it really does sort of show me that I think part of what, and I definitely think that our generation, and I hate this sounds so old, but I think, like, generally, like, younger people, back in the day, I think that there was definitely more of a focus on just moving the ball forward, like, three yards in a cloud of dusting through life. Like, just, like, surviving to the next day, making life better down the road. And now, I think people are... People want to be known. And social media has really made people want to be recognized and want to be seen more. And it's just fascinating to me how that entire paradigm has shifted. Like, back in the day, it was just, like, power run game, get down the field, score a touchdown. Now we're throwing deep
0: passes. Yeah. is very odd. I mean, you could probably... Honestly, that whole thing where you're talking about the whole, like, basically the the difference between, like, just trying to make it another day and, like, trying to, like, be something big thing probably, like, translates to why so many people say, like, millennials are, like, still living with their parents and things like that. Because I've seen that where, like, dudes are just like, well, man, like, shit's not really going right for me anyway, so I might as well just, like, save some money up. Type thing instead of like going out and like trying to do something on your own like slowly but surely it's like no nah, man it's like boomer bust out in this bitch and shit didn't shake out for me right so guess it's a bust.
1: In worst case you slide you just like snap at someone or slide into DMs and you're good to go so you're yeah. you're still able to make it work. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the stuff portion and we'll touch on this pretty quick. Um, I just wanna talk about I, I wrote music in our outline, but we don't need to talk about music because I pretty much like exhausted most of the musical shit that I normally talk about. Um, other than I know you have an eight oh eights argument. I wanna give you a chance to make it and yeah, go for it.
0: Man, eight oh eights is just good. Like that's that's the best that's the best winter driving album of all time. If There's you go no 10... down in my mind. That's it. That's really like period. That statement. Done.
1: So if you're looking at all the Kanye albums, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an analogy, or we'll do a football analogy. Compare them to quarterbacks.
0: Um Oh shit, alright. Albums quarterbacks, let's do this. Alright. Fuck. 808. Let me think.
1: And by the is way, it, if you're Is eight oh eight Vic? <laughs> no, eight oh eight is not Vic. 808 is big. 808 is not big. If you're listening to this, please come
0: into our ads and tell us that 808 is not big. 808 808s is big because it's like, like 2% of the population will tell you that it's like the best thing ever, right? Uh, but it's like not traditional right? But it also set forward for like an entire generation of new artists and quarterbacks, right? Um... I like that one. Uh, that, 808s is big. The seven, <laughs> 707s is heartbreaks. At this point. Uh, damn! That's right. that's you really weird. put me on the damn spot. Yeah. Years. I mean, we, we can talk this out because this
1: is totally just of the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, we. I, I have an issue saying 808s is big. That's overval- That's overvaluing 808s a lot. <laughs> like, and
0: I like 808s, but. Uh, what's, the, what's the college dropout? So the college dropout has to be someone who declared from school early. Yeah. Call. The
1: college dropout...
0: high from the jump. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. College... I mean, if you're... Kind, of, like, a kind of a throwback...
0: College dropout, to I old think... Is, Is that James, James Winston? Ken?
1: I'd go Cam, but... Cam hasn't done enough. It needs to be someone who's done good. something.
0: The college dropout. It's not Russ. <laughs> no. Um... Ben Roethlisberger strikes me as someone who dropped out of college. Yeah. I I, <laughs> I just don't
1: I, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger the person, but Ben Roethlisberger the quarterback, that probably is the best comparison. Because just, like, goes for it. And, like, you got the skits. The skits is Ben trying to, like, maneuver in the pocket. <laughs> the skits, when, when, the when bodies and are over him. I can get
0: behind
1: or just random stuff. Was you know what? My top I got to your 808s. 808s is Steve McNair. Mmm. I think that that's mm. a good one. I, th- I think that that is... That's the comparison. Maybe a step below Vic in terms of exciting, but 808s did get the job done, and I'm not going to underate 808s. I think 808s is a really good album. So I'm down with that. Um, unless we think 808s is late registration.
0: Mmm. No. No. Uh my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is Aaron Rodgers, because that shit was hot in two thousand ten and has aged poorly.
1: That is very true, and that is a really, really, really good comparison. And I'm and it really has aged poorly. I don't think I listen to any songs from that album anymore.
0: Um like is the first track the best track now? Like Power's kinda dope, but Power's been like Dog, I don't ever have to hear that song another time in my life. All the lights is crazy. Right, so like all the lights, the is still lights
1: got a little so, bit too pageant-y, though. I don't know. I'm over it.
0: All the lights and lost in the all the lights lost in the world, and in the opening track.
1: I think also part of what really helped that album have any same whatsoever is that Nicki Minaj got so big afterwards because.
0: Well, like he had the best verse on it, right? Yeah, like in the same way that A. Z. had the best verse on. Um, on NoMadic, like Nicki Minaj had the best verse on my. And that's also probably her
1: best verse in any song she's ever done. I don't care who wrote it. I don't care who wrote it. That's that's the best verse. Yeah, Nicki Minaj is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good comparison.
0: Like she's now, she's Jermichael Finley. She, she she is Jermichael, Jermichael Finley. No, she, she had she, that like little peak, and then things <laughs> so, got messed up. Messed up with heads. Yeah, people still talk about a, Nick Minaj so
1: people don't talk about your Michael Finley anymore. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, that's true. So,
1: y- you're not a fan of graduation, so what's graduation? Mmm.
0: My color. <laughs> that, that's yeah. too low. That, that's mean. Graduation is color where it's like, man, if you don't fuck this up, you can be okay. You really fuck up mean. a lot. I don't think it's. I think that's mean, bro. How many songs are good off? Of I think.
1: Graduation? I think that graduation might be. Uh, might be Eli. What are the
0: graduation doesn't have two rings. Graduation does not have two rings. You show me two <laughs> rings on this. I, I think it makes Mike, what sense. One of the top three songs on this on this album, Glory, is Homecoming. Right, which is a great and song. Homecoming is not even the best version of homecoming. Like there was a version of homecoming that came out like five years before that, and it's better. Like, I mean,
1: I think. Right. Well, Good Morning is a phenomenal song, and that was my wake up call. Good Morning is very time. good. Champion's very good.
0: Stronger is very good. Glory okay, is a so very good song. Good. The glory is yeah. Fantastic. The glory is good. I said though, like half of this half of this album. The flashing is, lights, is, hard, like, is fantastic. Oh no, man, that's garbage. Flashing lights oh, is garbage. Right. Everything I Am is garbage, Big Brothers garbage, Drunken Hot Girls is garbage, Barry Bonds garbage. I wonder garbage. <laughs> alright. Half of uh, it, bro, it's just like straight skip, skip, skip. I don't know, alright, I don't
1: know if I can get behind this, uh, people mentioning this entire conversation, just jump
0: in and tell Justice he's wrong. But um, like, here's the thing, he <laughs> got on, he, he got a DJ Premiere feature and fucked it up. Alright, I just that's realized the, that- That's Jay Color. I just realized
1: that Yeezus is definitely Cam. Because it's polarizing, but it's really good. Oh yeah, really, it's got really the hats.
0: Good. Oh fuck yeah. That's he's yeah. wearing the hats. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. That thing showed up to walking out of press conferences asking, <laughs> after asking next question. Wearing like skin like a hoverboard leopard skin,
1: Wearing like skin tight leopard skin pants. Like a Jesus, fox tail.
0: Yeezus absolutely a hundred percent for sure married a stripper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like
1: or, or yeah. so, did you see um, that's the bound two video? Did you see uh, Cam sliding into those DMs today?
0: I saw it, but I I can't believe that he'd be so stupid to actually type in that typography. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if he I don't does, it. that... no, it's not even like uh, you're you're caping up for male athletes type thing, right? Where it's like uh, you're you you don't think that humans are possible of or like your dude that you watch every Sunday is possible of being like, some sort of, like, cheater or something like that, right? No, I, I just don't believe that someone could be that stupid where they're, like, they're typing, they're typing in hieroglyphics. Like, <laughs> I don't think people do that, dude. No, you can't sell me on that.
1: All right, well, there are a bunch of other ones. We're just going to do two more because I think it's important. One's Late Reg. Um, mm. Late registration.
0: You might say be. two more like there isn't just two more albums.
1: Oh, no, well... <laughs> no, uh, were you gonna do Cruel Summer? Life <laughs> yeah. like Pablo. Yeah, well, that was the last one I was going to do. Yeah,
0: but. That's what I was saying. There's two more albums left. You're talking about we're gonna stop. Like you try to do Cruel oh, Summer. I, I was watch gonna the do watch The
1: Throne too, but Watch The Throne I guess mm-hmm. doesn't
0: really count. All right, um, late Reg. Wow. So it's like it's like uh, it's like Ben Roethlisberger, but not as good. So Blake Bortles. That's so rude to late registration. <laughs> that is, that, it's luck.
1: If we're talking about Stafford Nod's good, or Russell Nod's oh. good. Uh, but I don't want to give luck that kind of. I'm,
0: of. I'm going Bortles
1: All right, that's well, I, I think that's rude, but that's okay. Um,
0: Pablo? And,
1: yeah, Pablo.
0: Hmm.
1: Pablo might be Tim Tebow.
0: Oh, wow. I'm gonna go down that road.
1: Um I mean it's polarizing it's, Rivers. it's not
0: very good. It's Philip Because no one's gonna consider it the best, people are gonna consider it very good. Uh Kanye's got like fifty of his children on this on this album, like down to like designer and like Cuddy, Chance, all these people, right? Um No more parties in LA. There we go. All right. That's it, man. You yeah, know what? No, this is for
1: Rivers. No, you know what? I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Rivers for that. And I was being rude. It's not – Pablo's not Tebow bad. It just has one really, really good song, and the rest of the songs aren't up to his
0: part. but that's okay. What's, what's the really good song? Um, uh, Ultralight Beam. Ultralight Beam bangs. Part 2 bangs. Uh, I guess. It's 30, 30 hours is crazy. 30, hour, 30 Hours is, like, the most underrated Kanye track, like, ever.
1: I think part of the issue with that is Chance came out and Frank came out, and those both immediately superseded Pablo in the rotation. So, in terms of replayability, I don't think I've replayed Pablo in,
0: like, a month and a half to two months. I keep listening to St. Pablo for some reason. That, like, last track that came out, like, the 50th time he edited the album.
1: Alright, well... I hope that you enjoyed listening to, uh, everyone who's listening to this, listening to us ramble about Kanye. If you have takes, leave it in the ads, please. Uh, but Justice, Mosqueda, this was fun. I had a really good time tonight. This was a perfect way to start my Friday night. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, this was good. We're gonna do this again and it'll be, maybe, maybe we'll get a couple more people and we'll, uh,
0: we'll have the full, um, group talk about shit. That would be great. We'll get Chuck on, and we'll just call it Worst Take. Yeah, that sounds about
1: right. That sounds about right. But anyway, uh, that is this week's episode of the Hammer Time Podcast, this quick episode. This is going to go up right after I stop recording, which means I'm just going to stop talking. Ethan Hammerman signing off. Talk to you later.